Did Adam preach his heart out this morning or what? Did he not? That's pretty awesome, is it not? I mean, it's a youth pastor. They're not supposed to be that good, really. That's what churches think. Adam is awesome. He's an awesome man of God, and I'm sure you're blessed if your children have had any upbringing through his and Jennifer's ministry and the whole gang of them. Just outstanding, outstanding. All right, well, I've mentioned, or I've titled this morning, tonight's message, Challenged. Challenge. I believe the Lord wants to challenge you today, or us, New Hope. Um, so I do hope you listen, listen intently, give God your good ear and good eye to see what He has to say to you. Deuteronomy 26, 18 tells us this, And the Lord hath avouched thee, or challenged thee. Okay, now this is the Word of God. So God challenges His people. Now, so He's challenging us. The Lord hath challenged thee this day to be his peculiar or special people, as he hath promised thee, and that thou should keep all his commandments, and to make thee high above all nations which he hath made. So high how would be the question. What do you mean, Lord? You're going to make us high. He tells us, I'm going to make you high in praise. In other words, in adoration. People are going to adore your life who you are, look at you and say, man, check them out in a name. What name? Christian. In the name of who we're supposed to be following. And in honor. Honor means renown. You have a reputation. Man, that guy, I never hear him cuss. And God says, I'm going to do this for you. That thou, hast mayst, that thou mayst be an holy people unto the Lord thy God as he hath spoken. So the Lord is challenging us. This is what He has for you and I. Deuteronomy 7 says this, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. Now listen, the Lord thy God hath chosen you. The Lord goes, no, that's, one, that's one right there I'm going to choose. I have chosen you to be a special people unto myself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set His love upon you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. Simply, but because the Lord loved you, and because He would keep the oath. What oath? What we just read and up top, that He wants to keep you, with, to make you renowned and honor and special. God's going to keep this oath, is what He's telling us. Because he has loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he has sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, redeemed you out of the house of bondage, the sin that you were in. <coughs> you didn't just didn't turn good. God brought you out of that. It's the Lord. He did that. So there's something about you, God is saying. John 7.32 says this, now the Pharisees heard the people murmur such things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. We're hearing murmuring and grumbling and talking about this Christ. So they sent officers, go get him. Then said Jesus unto them, yet a little while I am with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. You shall seek me, shall not find me. And where I am, thither you cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, Where does he go? That we shall not find him. 
Will he go unto the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying this is that he said, You shall seek me, shall not find me, and where I am, thither you cannot come. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. It's talking about you and I. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. All the time now, those officers are coming for him. They're looking for him. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the Scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was division, nothing new. Verse 44 says, And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers. Listen to this now. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have you not brought him? Where is he? We sent you to go get him. Now remember, the Lord's challenging us. In what way? In this way. Verse 46 says, The officers answered, Neither man spake like this man. It was unreal. This guy was amazing. He captivated, he captured us just when I was listening to him. So this was a great truth that no man ever spoke with this wisdom and power, grace and convicting clearness about the Scripture and the authority and the sweetness all rolled into one, not even the prophet Moses. So the very hard-hearted Roman soldiers did not even do anything. You see, the people of God are supposed to be unbelievably different. Unbelievably different. The very officers that were sent to take him were taken with him and by his own conversation. People around you where God has planted should be taken by your lifestyle, by your conversation, how you deal with heartaches and uh, storms and problems in a bad day at the office. These men were probably not men who had desire or any knowledge of Christ at all. I could hear them screaming, why didn't you arrest them? They're going, looking at each other. I don't know. You never heard a guy speak like this before. So there's something definitely different about Christ. The way he talked, the way he looked, the way he lived, the way he prayed. This is that challenge that we are to be above all. We find ourselves many times in Christianity disgusted with ourselves, with the church, fed up with maybe how you are, what you feel like, your prayer life. Now, I, I do know what's wrong with you. Job said this, for the, for the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Now, I have told the Lord that all my walking days with him. And this is what it is. I always tell the Lord, Lord, I don't want to be ordinary. I don't want to be an ordinary Christian, what I see. 
belonging to an ordinary church, preaching like an ordinary man, married an ordinary lifestyle. I want to be special for you. I want to be awesome for you. I don't want to be ordinary. And Job is saying, the very thing I didn't want to do, didn't want to be, I think I'm becoming. Seriously. This place should be abounding with the presence of Almighty God. People are hungry for God. And the only way they see God is through you. I mean, we have no Sputnik in the sky beeping, new hope, new hope, come to new hope. It's you. You're our Sputnik. Ordinary means common, every day. I'm ordinary, bland, tasteless to the heathen. That, that's what we can become or have become. I'm called to be peculiar, special, unusual. In the eyes of the world, weird is what that word means. We're not supposed to be looking like we fit in, be like them. It should be obvious to, to you and I that there's something about this person. Matthew says this, And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished at his doctrine. That's why they stood there dumbfounded. We're supposed to arrest him, but we've been arrested by what he's saying. We've been taken by it, captivated. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. I mean, do you go to work and do you go, oh, like all the other sinners that are going, oh. Are you giving God glory and praise and you're asking God, God, please, even though I don't feel good, help me to be good. That's peculiar. Everybody moans, oh, Monday, oh, Wednesday, oh, this. Well, that's what we do. That's what ordinary, routine, predictable, customary, methodical, bland people do. We're not supposed to be that. We're not. Matthew says, you're the light. Remember, we tell you all the time, you're the light of the world. city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. You, me, us, we must be seen. God wants us seen, our lifestyles, our acts, our conversations, our marriages, child raising, church, preaching, worship. God wants us to be seen, He wants us to be noticed. Now, my Ruthie is the queen of all decorations, and she likes decorating our house. She does it sweet. She comes home with stuff, I don't know where she finds all these things. She just, I don't know. And she come home with this, I don't know what it is. It looked like an old birdcage. It was kind of round, though, kind of round, and had a, the teeniest, teeniest, teeniest bulb in it in the center. And it was, uh, oh, one of the things that's supposed to last for 10 years, LED bulb. And I'm looking at that thing, and I'm like, Ruth, what the, what is, what's, what, what's this? What are you, what's that going to light up? Okay, and she, of course, she knows me by now, and, doesn't pay a whole lot of mind and understands I have no clue what she's doing. And so she puts this little item in the center of a table under our little gazebo out in the backyard. And I forgot about it. Okay, I mean, it's like, to me, dumb. Okay, but then the Lord showed me something. Never noticed it. Didn't pay any attention to it. Until what? Until it got dark. That insignificant, good-for-nothing light in my eyes, there it was, in my backyard, beaming away. 
I mean, it wasn't brilliant, but there it was, it was noticeable. If I held it right now, you wouldn't even see the light, even though it's on. Until we started killing the lights, and then you'd be going, there it is. There it is. And when I hear something at night, <laughs> in fact, last night I got a text. There was helicopters flying around with searching lights. I don't know if you live where I do, out here in Dogwood Lane, looking for somebody. And I'm like, oh, here we go. So if I have to go outside, I am so thankful that that little light is out there. It does help me to see in that dark. And that what you and I are supposed to be. Sometimes we look so insignificant. We look in our mirror and we're like, hey, no one can see Christ in me. But you don't have to be a thousand watt bulb. The darkness is coming in on us, is it not? And as it comes in on us, the church, people who are godly, are going to be more and more visible. They should be shining more and more because of the darkness. Even if you can't produce another what? It's going to be obvious. The Bible also says you're the salt, the absolute salt of the earth. Now before I came over to my office, I got a tomato and sliced that baby up. and Because and, um, I just love tomatoes from the garden. But I got to have salt. It's just something about the salt. But it, it does the trick to the tomato. It, to me, it does. Or on ears of corn. Salt is just outstanding. And God says, you are the salt of the earth. You preserve it from corruption. You season the blandness that's in this nation. No kindness. No one's kind. No one smiles anymore. And the church is supposed to be the salt. It's tasteless without the salt. Pass the salt. How many times do you hear that at a restaurant? When uh, the first thing they come with a salad, the first thing I do is I look for the salt. Just does something to it. So as Christ is calling us to be his disciples, he told them, you know, be fishers of men. Here he's telling them even further, we're designed to be the salt and the light. We're designed for that. That's one of our purposes. The gospel is tasteless if it's not sprinkled with salt from a Christian to the taster. I'll come home sometimes, especially in the winter. Ruth will make some great homemade soup or something. I'm about ready to dive into it. She goes, add salt. Need salt. It just does the trick. And that's like with the gospel. A lot of Christians, or a lot of would-be Christians, don't grasp it, don't get it, unless somebody who's sprinkled with salt seasons it for them and says, let me tell you about this. And they start tasting it and say, Really? There is hope? You have hope? You go here? You go there? So the gospel becomes tasteless when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And no one's, no one's drawn to it. Look, there's nothing ordinary about God. There's nothing ordinary. How can you be an ordinary Christian when you have an unordinary Godhead bodily inside of you? How can you be ordinary? How, how have we done that? How can we make services ordinary, preaching ordinary? How can we make worship ordinary? Overcalls ordinary, salvations ordinary, being filled with the Holy Ghost ordinary. How can we? <laughs> Bible says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. He's not ordinary. He's not. 
Psalm says this, lift up your heads. You've got to do that sometimes. Go lift up your heads. Ruth and I like to get in a hot tub late at night, especially in the winter when it's clear and crisp. and Man, they're just crazy. They're all over the place. But we like to serve God this way. Just kind of moaning, looking down, missing all the glory that's right there above us. All you got to do is this. You don't have to memorize the whole Old Testament. Just look up. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, be lifted up, you everlasting doors. The King of glory shall come in. Job says, He stretched out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. Nothing. Now all your woes and sorrows, they, they keep you from being salt. When somebody is parched and needs something, season, some hope, somebody have a good word, you're saltless, tasteless, bland, ordinary. Psalms 33 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea together as an heap. He layeth up the depths in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. How can you be tasteless? How? Adam was exhausted. But he was probably a little bummed that we didn't get all pumped and excited with him. Because that's the way we are. I don't, I don't know why we are that way. I told him, Adam, sometimes it's easier. You know how I am with dentists. Going to the dentist and getting your teeth worked on without any kind of Novocaine. Then come up here and try to get the people of God excited in the things of God. It's, I don't, I, I don't know, how, how did we make this ordinary? But we did. He's not an ordinary God. Therefore, we cannot be ordinary, bland people. Bland. I mean, if you have some issues and a doctor tells you you got to go on a bland diet, do you jump up and down? Do you go, oh, finally. I can have a tasteless, useless food for the rest of my life. In these last days, I have a question for you. In these last days, has sin stayed ordinary? Or has it been ramped up? I mean, you know all this, these quote, uh, statistics. Just about one out of two marriages end up in a divorce now. Uh, they just do. Living together is the norm. It's just normal. This is stuff that was half of the homes in America don't have dads. Violent crime is at an all-time high. Abortion has become a normal life. It's the way it is. Our political and legal system, it's, who even wants to talk about that? But God tells us, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness to people. It's time for some salt. I mean, this is good food. But they're not going to read it. They need to taste and see. And the perfect way for them to notice you is when you go through the fire and the water and you're different than everyone else. That's going to get their attention. But we usually become like everybody else. 
Psalms 107, 27 says, They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. That's the world. What are they telling us now? Suicide's on a, high, a rise. Well, that's why. There's no hope. There's no taste and see that the Lord is good. There's no church just thumping on all eight cylinders for God. It takes us to do that. God's given us all the weapons, everything that we need. He goes to the world, and Isaiah 59 says, We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we have no eyes. We stumble at noonday. As in the night, we are in desolate places as dead men. Almighty is challenged in this body of believers today. Who can stop storms? I mean, just natural weather. They just come, right? It doesn't care if you have your 50th reunion, you haven't seen Dad in 30 years, and you got all outside ready. That's the, the, storms just come all the time. Can you think, oh, 2004, remember that year we had no weather? When are you never going to have a storm? To where you can function like you're supposed to. It's impossible. They're always coming. They're always. Get the weather map. You can just see them. They come from west over all the time. And when they start pulling from north in Canada, you know what that means. Bitter cold. They, they, they just come. Storms come. Most of you don't stop going to work. Don't stop paying your bills. You work through them. Storms come to the Christian. But you still have to be salt. Anywhere you go to eat, there's always salt on the table. Always. Luke says salt is good, but if, it, if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? How shall America be seasoned? How shall... Zanesville, be seasoned without you. <clears throat> salt that loses its saltness is of no use, God says. No use. Seriously, no use. Think of that. A professed believer who, through corruption or time, loses his uniqueness and flavor and value is of no use to Christ. Well, but you don't know all that I'm going through. Say that as you stare at the cross. I say all this because God's challenging you. You can't stop the weather. You can't stop storms. i got to take a long drive tomorrow, and I'm checking the weather. God says that salt's neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill. Think of that. Think, think of that. God's wanting us to be ordinary, special, renowned, full of honor and praise. He wants this church talked about, that people ache to come here, wish they lived by us. Not because of us, but who's in us. And we believing what God said he wants us to be. To all the way on this side, God's saying it's not even good for the dunghill. See, we always live below what God has for us. 
Christian is only useful when he or she has the, the nature of Christ. We are to be like Christ. Find the salt. Find it. So what makes us salty? What makes us different than the 101 churches there are in Zanesville? Or other people? Or the masses? What makes us different? Exodus says this, If thy presence does not go with us, don't lead us anywhere. It's the presence of God. That, that can be defined in Hebrew as the face of God. The face of God. That place I work is the most heathenous, dark place. Then take the face of God in that place. Well, you don't know. Yeah, we do. No one works in heaven yet. That means the face of God. This is what makes the difference. This is what sets us apart. The touch of God on our lives. Salt to a bland, dying, tasteless, corrupt, filthy, unkind world. Salt. How about Rahab? Remember Rahab, the harlot? So she's talking to the people of God, and she's letting the people of God know about what her and all her unsafe people were talking about them, the Christians. This is what they should be saying about us. So Rahab said it best. She, talking about the Christians as the armies marching towards them. She said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. They haven't even fought yet. They haven't even fought for the land yet. And that your terror has fallen upon us. And all the inhabitants of her land faint because of you. People of God were on the march. Taking America back. Taking Zanesville back. Taking the schools back. And the heathens are going, and we, we heard about you. And we faint when we heard you came in our way. You're coming our way. That's what she's saying about a bunch of bums like you and I. No offense. I'm not trying to offend. I know what we are. That's what they were. But they had the face of God with them. Verse 10 says, for, then she goes on and says, We have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you. Why? Because they were fantastic people? No! Before he dried them up, what were they doing? We ought to kill you, Moses! Taking us out here to die. You know, short time, Moses said, Get a grip! Turns around, God dries the ground. Over they go. It wasn't them. It was what God, the face of God, was with them. And he's with us. Remember, he said in the beginning, I said, and I'll keep my oath. This is what I want you to be. You don't have to look up, how do I have honor? How do I do this? How do I be renowned? No, just serve God. Get the salt. Yes. So we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea. For you 
when you came out of Egypt, for you when you came out of Egypt, and what he did unto the two kings of the Amorites. And we heard people ought to be hearing about us. That's the renown. I don't know what's going on with those people. I don't care what they call us, but there should be something about us. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. Because you were full of God, full of salt, and God was with you. That's where we should be. Not, oh, this problem. And, oh, and I know you have problems. We have problems. I'm not making light of them. But life goes on. Heathens all around you. Well, they say 6,000 die an hour. You don't have time to go, oh, you have time to get salt. Seek ye first the salt. So I don't know about you, but I do a little Bible study. It pops up on my phone. It's over there. And I'm, I'm doing one, and it's just slamming me all week. Because I was having one of those weeks. Okay? That's probably why this message is coming the way it is. Because we're all the same. We just are. No matter if we're standing here or sitting there. We all have that moaning part down good. So this, I'll just read my little lesson to you. This is when I'm going, oh, and I'm going, oh, and so it says, open it up, bing, it dings, comes on, sends me to it, and it says, do I understand how big God is? And I'm by myself in my office, and I'm going, no. No. Because I know what I'm going through. God always wants more for us than we want for ourselves. Tonight, for you. This is truth. You know it's true. Jesus said he would do greater things. Jesus said we would do greater things than he did. That's what he said. If we believe Jesus is who he says he is, and we take him at his word... Why shouldn't we expect to see the things that happen in Scripture happen in our time? Why not? Who says they don't happen anymore? Those who, oh, me, myself, and I syndrome with no salt. That's who says that. Those bland, ordinary, expecting nothing, looking for nothing, barely coming without any hope people. We have to fight that because we do that naturally. We just do that naturally, no matter what comes our way. So my little lesson's going on. It says, why wouldn't we believe God can start and grow, in a, grow a movement like the church the same way he did in the book of Acts? Now, I'll be transparent. I try to always be transparent, even to my shame, I guess. Because I'm in that whoa type thing. It has to do with a whole bunch of different things. Uh, lots of times it has to do with age. Because I think, jeez. Oh, it just, just does. You know, Jason's up here going, I want to see this and this and that. And I'm going to go. And about 2.30 in the afternoon, I'm going. 
try not to. I hate coffee, so that doesn't work. So, so this just kind of, it kind of works on me. And then the old knees, you know, and all that stuff. And he's talking about making moves, and he slipped and fell. And I don't even touch a basketball anymore. I don't even, can't even touch it. So it's just part of that and age and where I am and what I thought and what didn't and what for sure, I, that's where I'm, I'm just, oh, so I'm coming across all this to try to make transparency to you. And so I'm getting this, do you understand how big God is? And I'm going, no. No, I don't. I can barely walk up steps now. Why wouldn't we believe God can start and grow a movement like the church the same way he did in the book of Acts? Why not? Why have we bought the headstone for America? Why? So here's another question I'm being asked. What's stopping us from asking God to transform entire communities? What's stopping us? What's my age have to do with that? Why can't we believe God will perform modern day miracles? Why not? Why not? There's nothing worse than a bland church or a tasteless Christian. Uh, seriously, before my dad was saved, now in heaven, I would pray for him in PA. And, and when I was first saved, I was like, Lord, oh Lord, let one of his friends get saved. And that, that prayer changed because I wanted someone to talk to him about the things of God. It's always hard with your dad. And so I'd always say, Lord, Lord, let someone he knows and likes and who's an old Italian like him, and yet now they're, they love God. Well, then I was saved about... 10 minutes, and I started praying, Lord, please let someone who's a real Christian, a real believer, come to him. Don't let some bland, tasteless, useless person tell them he's a Christian. He tastes it and spits it out and wants nothing to do with it. Seriously, I used to pray like that. Yes. So why can't we believe? Why? Why can't we have an altar call and you bring all those oh, problems, and they're great, a lot of them, to God, and, and just believe? I'm not talking about stupid, foolishness, silliness. He's a great, awesome God. Goes on. Most of the time, our biggest obstacle is us. You've sat here so long, I could preach this. I've underlined everything you said seven times. I know what how the definition of it's us. We're the obstacle. I mean, little Aston's awesome. She walks up to us, and probably your grandchildren does the same. If I tell her uh, Grandma's sick, she'll walk over and just squint her eyes and say, Jesus, amen. Look at my wife and say, You better? What's wrong with that? Us, no, we got to get out our blood pressure machine, we got to have a, thermos, a thermometer, have a nurse on, take your pulse. Are you better now after we pray? Or can't you just believe? I don't care if you feel like garbage tonight and you get done the altar and still feel like garbage. Why can't you just believe? Why? It takes nothing to do with age. I don't have to run up steps. I don't have to make moves like I used to. Why can't you just believe? So this is, I'm still in my little thing that's nailing me. It goes on and says, <clears throat> most of the time our biggest obstacle is us. Maybe we've stopped dreaming. 
That one floored me, decked me. Because I said, you know what, God, I have. Because I'm saying I'm too old for the and I should have done it, and I ain't doing it. Stopped dreaming. That's like, like not having hope. So it went on and says, maybe you stopped dreaming. The dreams in your heart were planted by God, who loves us. Whatever those dreams are. However, how many disappointments and heartaches they're buried under. They're from God who keeps His oath. The day we stop following dreams God has put in us is the day we allow ourselves to go into cruise control. And I wrote down beside that, we, we shop for hammocks. Well, I'll just swing back and forth with my lemonade and go, good job, Jason. This is still the same thing. Our biggest desire starts to shift from seeking God, do great things, to making everyone as comfortable as possible. I'm not called to make you comfortable. It's the Holy Ghost's job. He's the comforter. I'm called to bark. That's what God has called preachers to do. When our biggest desire starts to shift from seeking God, do great things to making everyone as comfortable as possible, we know we're losing sight of how big God is. If I could just stay out of the wheelchair, we compromise everything. It continues. When our biggest desire starts to shift from seeking God, do great things to making everyone comfortable as possible. We know we're losing it. Here's the one. Fight the urge to maintain the status quo. Uh, just st- Instead, do everything possible to advance the cause of God's place in your heart. You'd rather just keep everything status quo. No waves. And in the world, and in the older you get, you like that no-wave ministry. But that's not with God. You have to fight that urge to, be, to not be status quo, to break that. It says, instead, do everything possible to advance the cause God placed in your heart. Stay focused on what could be rather than what has been. Stay focused on how great the star breather. God wasn't exhausted. He just breathed the star. There they are. We have no clue. God could still be breathing stars today. How would you know? Man can't even get past the Milky Way. What is a Milky Way?
So my little lesson's lying down now. This is what I got this Wednesday or someone. What is one impossible thing you want to see God do in your church, your job, or your community, or your life? What is that one thing? And then maybe it'll build to another thing. And then another thing. Look, he's telling us, fight the urge to maintain the status quo. Instead, do everything possible to advance the cause God placed in your heart. Stay focused on what could be rather than what has been. Listen, we are has-beens. The enemy's always telling me that. You had a good run. You did your best shot. This is what you got. What's one impossible thing? And I've been praying that God makes my fervency, my love, and and my spirit, and my ache, and my drawing, and my convictions in me young again. Because my body always wants to take the salt from me. And the enemy wants me to put the salt down. Remember I used to tell you, let's quit reading books about the past and start writing our own. I'm glad for Ravenhill and Finney and all those. I'm tired of reading them. Let's start writing them. It says, are you celebrating the past more than you are anticipating the future? Yeah. Yeah, because when you're starting my age, my futures, I just keep thinking of, wonder how I'm going to die. What's one decision you need to make to advance your cause and stay focused on the future? I wrote down, stop looking at the storms. Because they just they always come. Just check this week out. What are we having this week? Man, it could be a whole week of unbearable 90s and not one drop of water. That's a storm. A heat wave. It could be brutal. They happen in our life. So how did it happen to us? How did we become ordinary, bland, and tasteless? I think it's very simple. And you don't have to stay there unless you like being bland and tasteless, and maybe some do. But I believe it's just trials. They just wear us down. They take the spit out of us, the energy out of us, the peace out of us, the desire, the urgency, the ache for God out of us. You're just trying to keep things afloat because you're not trusting God anymore because you've lost your salt. You're not salty. You're becoming ordinary. You're becoming plain, bland, like the world. Trials wear us down. They wear me out. And they just, they're like su- surprising storms. They just come on me. I had that this week. Just, just came on me. And it's like I wasn't prepared for it and couldn't stop it. And instead of coming against it and staying salty in it, 
moaned and complained and lost my salt, my energy, and my strength. And I just happened to see this the next day. That little Bible study popped up on my... All right. Psalms 40, verse 3 says this. He hath put a new song in my mouth. And God did that through Bruce. Not that Bruce sings or plays. But he did. Because he played that song a couple weeks ago. You know, if who remembers records? Do you remember records? Holy, about seven of them, eight of them. I would wear records out, play them so much. And what I'm saying is I've played this song so much since I've heard it, it would be wore out by now. It would skip or be cracked or something. So I looked up Scripture, and God has done this for me throughout my life. Sometimes it's just overwhelming. There comes a song I never heard before. It doesn't matter if I say to my children, look at this song. And I say, Dad, that was out 12 years ago. But it doesn't matter. It was to me, it's what I needed right at that moment. And that's what happened when he played that song. I've sent that song to some pastors, and they were like, oh, my gosh. I've sent others who have just had heartaches and various things. And in fact, I sent one not that, recent, not that long ago, and the person said, oh, I just feel like when I play that song, I can cuddle up on my, my Lord's lap and just let him hold me. Well, it's because it's spiritual. Psalms 40, verse 3, And he put a new song in my mouth, even praises unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. And you can't say, I'll wait till the storm passes, because there's going to be another one. Just check the weather. It's the same thing. It's the same. Whether it's summer and you get those boomers that shake your house, rain comes down so hard you're wondering, what on earth? Or you go out and it's nine below. You can't stop being salt because of the storms. Psalm 77, 6 says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. That's where the enemy wants to come, at night. And just get you, and you're up, and you're going. The psalmist says, man, I, I, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune, with my, I commune with mine own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. And that song you probably know, because I've sent it to some of you, and you were here when Bruce played it. And in fact, I remember sitting there, and Bruce said, play that song. And I went, Bruce is playing a song? To myself, Bruce. And so here's the idea. We're going to play that song. And I, you probably know it. We don't have one with words. But it talks about storms are a part of life. Remember the master is nigh in the midst of a storm. That's our first mistake is we forget he's nigh. The enemy is all smoke and mirrors, and he can make it look real. He can make it feel real, sound real. Doctors, whoever, whatever they say. 
And so what I'm asking you to do is our altar calls to get the salt back in our lives. Because there are people around you who are thirsty, who are blind in darkness, and they need salt and light. And that's you. And God has called you to be peculiar, not like those who have no hope. You are not to be like that. And I'm not talking about faking it. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about faith. I'm not faking it. I'm talking about faith. You cannot go on feelings. You go on faith. So you bring those heartaches, those weights before God. You sing those songs by faith. And ask God for salt. You know the song, right? It goes, why should I worry? Why should I fear? The very same Jesus? The very same. You believe that? Or is that a catchy song or a tune to you? The very same that said, Lazarus! The very same Jesus. So we're going to listen to that song. And trust if you come and stand at the altar, wonderful. And then you, you get... You tell God, all right, Lord, they have been holding me down. And, oh, what I was going to tell you about being totally transparent is I walked up here and signed at that clipboard. Adam put on it. I'm not trying to be silly, stupid, dumb. I just put on it. I am valuable. Because I was thinking. Because my mind had me convinced and the enemy was shouting, Amen. Circumstances and this and then that happen. They just pile on you. You know how it is. I don't float. Does anybody see me float? I'm just like you. And so the Lord, through this message, I knew what I was going to preach, what Adam was saying, what I read in the song. I went, yeah, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. My age has nothing to do with it. I am valuable. So after that song is over, we're going to play another one. And that second song, I want you to start asking for God to give you your flavor back. God, I don't want to be tasteless. I don't want to be bland. I don't want to be good for nothing. No, God, no, 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 no. No, Lord. I want you to give me my flavor back. Give me my salt back, Lord. Lord, give me my dreams back. Lord, let me dream again. Help me to uncover them dreams. Give me my purpose back. Let's stand. Play that first song, please. And the altars are open for you to come, stand. This first song, I'm telling you, I want you to bring your problems, your storms. Bring them up to God. Bring them. Bring them by faith to this same Jesus.